Welcome to the All or Something Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kepler, and this podcast is all about ditching black and white thinking and exploring the gray areas of health, happiness, and everything in between. If you're ready to feel empowered and inspired, then let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 76 of the All or Something Living Podcast. I'm super excited because I have a very fun um, surprise for you this episode. This is different than any episode I've ever done before. I'm actually stepping in and becoming the interviewer, which I actually want to do more of this going forward. I just haven't for editing purposes and purposes of saving time. But starting this summer, I'll be working in the business full time, so I can definitely get some more interviews. So if you have any requests of guests, um, let me know. And I will start working on that. So today I'm going to have my fiance, Jason, on the podcast. And I'm really excited because a lot of people have told us about how they admire our relationship and want to learn more kind of about how we've made it such a great relationship. Um, we've been together seven years and we'll get more into it throughout the episode, but we've been together. That creaking is um, our floor in our old house. Um, anyway, we'll get more into it, but we've been together for seven years. We've been through a lot of ups and downs. Nothing in our relationship has ever been or ever will be perfect. Um, so we really want to put out a realistic perspective of what a healthy relationship looks like and to maybe provide you encouragement. If you are in a relationship right now, maybe you're struggling with it. Maybe you feel like it could be better. Um, Or you're not in a relationship and you want to know what kind of relationship you can aspire to, what you can look forward to, ways that you can make a relationship the best that it can possibly be. So that's about all I have for you. Without further ado, I will get in and introduce Jason and then we will start the discussion. Hello, Jason. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. Better now that you're here. (laughs) Um, Let's start by just talking a little bit. uh, Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, And, you know, because I've talked a little bit about you on the podcast before, but maybe they want to hear more about you personally, like where you're from, what interests that you have. Just a quick little introduction about yourself. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Well, hi, everybody. This is Jason. And uh, just a little about me. I'm born and raised in... uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, single parent household. I uh, grew up with my mom and my little brother for most of my life. Um, joined the military at 19 years old. First served in San Antonio, Texas, where I met my ex-wife and we had my son, Jalen. Then from there, things didn't work out, still friends, but from there we divorced Then I went to Korea then from Korea, I went to Lake Neath, England, where I met Lauren. And from there, we moved here to Las Vegas. Awesome. So, yeah, that's just a little about me. Cool, cool. Thanks for sharing, babe. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you just mentioned how we met in England. Um, let's talk a little bit more, more about that, because again, that's something that I've talked about here on the podcast. I've talked a little bit about how we met, not really gone into details, but like, I love the story of how 
you first found me over in England, what your thoughts were, and then how that progressed. So just tell that story. Okay, the story of how I stalked you yeah. for a month. Gotcha. <laughs> um, well, initially, I first saw you at a club in England um, around the corner from where you lived at at the time, uh, Barry St. Edmonds. And I just thought, I was like, oh, okay, that's a striking uh, British <laughs> young lady. I thought you were local. Um, and then never thought anything else about it until one day I was on base working out at the gym and I saw you again. I was like, oh, okay, you know, so she's she's probably somebody's like dependent or something like that, somebody's wife or, you know, saying significant other. So I was like, all right, cool, no big deal. And then I just continue my workout. Never thought of, never thought about it again until I saw you in uniform this time. And uh, while I was going to visit one of my friends at work, and find out you worked in the same department as they did, I was just like, oh, okay. So she's military, and uh, her last name's Kepler. So okay. Um, and so then I made it known to one of my friends. I was like, um, that that Airman Kepler. I think she's really cute. He's like, oh, you gotta. You got a crush on my troop. I was like, oh, what a coincidence. I didn't know that was your troop. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think she's cute. So, and then just just from there, um, just let my feelings know, be known to, to a mutual friend and then then think about it after that until a little later. <laughs> gotcha. So at that point when you met me, where was your headspace at? You had, you know pretty recently been divorced, just a few years after your divorce. I know you were in Korea for a little bit before that. Where was your headspace when you saw me? Like, what were you thinking um, when you were interested in me? Where were you thinking that it would go? Were you even thinking that it could go anywhere? No, no, I was just, uh, initially, I was just like, thought you thought you were attractive, wanted to get to know you. Like, uh, yeah, it just never went beyond that. I didn't expect it to be a future because I don't know the future, so I was just like, <laughs> just winging it. <laughs> well, did you feel like there was any sort of like baggage from your last relationship? Were you still like hurt, or do you feel like you trusted women at that point? Like, just at, in general. At, at that point, um, I was just enjoying still being a bachelor. Um, I think Korea helped me at, with any trust <laughs> issues. It was more like my uh, my college years, as it were, all rolled into twelve months. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think uh, I think I was I was pretty okay. You know, I've had dated uh, quite a few girls in between, like me and you, and my divorce. So it was just normal. Gotcha, gotcha. So from there we started. Well, I mean, it was a while before you actually before we actually like went on our first date, and um, when that happened, because you had seen me around, but. We would even be in like mutual places hanging out and I never like picked up on the fact that you were interested in me because you were just like friendly and flirty with everybody. So I was just like, hmm. So was there, I've actually never asked you this question. Was there like, did you purposefully, because the night that we actually started clicking was the night we went to that party um, at my, actually my MTI, my military training instructor's house that like he ended up being stationed over in England remember we went to his house and we were hanging out that night like I remember again seeing you hanging out with Brenda and you guys were just really flirtatious in like a friendly way which is weird but then um 
then I don't know, me and you just started like hang, like dancing around and, and that's where things progressed. Was there any sort of like moment that you were like, okay, now I'm going to try to put the moves and the charm on her or were you consistent throughout? Like, was there anything that you did at that time that you hoped would seal the deal of like me wanting to get to know you more romantically or, or, you know, no, I mean, no, not, (laughs) I don't think that much into it. I just, uh, just be me, just have fun. Um, and just to see and just pick up on your vibes, you know, I'm just kind of reading you read the room in general. Um, and that's just how I've always just been is is just interact with people who feel like being interacted with. (laughs) So I think at the time, yeah, you were just dancing, having a good time. I was like, Hey, I felt like dancing and having a good time. So that's just, (laughs) um, how it turned out. Well, that's one thing that I really want to point out to, um, to you who is listening right now is that something that I loved about Jason from the beginning is that it was like kind of a no pressure approach with him. He never tried to, he was never like creepy or pushy in a way that like made me scared of him. He actually drew me more towards him by just being himself, releasing expectations of where we might go and just letting it be. And by that, we naturally got to a point where the party that I was just talking about, we ended up actually going because we were, I well, I think I was drunk and I couldn't drive. So he drove me to um, uh, one of my coworkers' house who was his good friend, and we ended up staying the night there. Just I think it was just me and him ended up staying the night there. Um, again, nothing romantic had ever happened between us or you know sexual, whatever. And it was still just a very friendly experience. I felt very safe. This guy drove me to this house. We stayed on the couch together, um, sleeping on different ends of the couch. And then we watched Napoleon Dynamite. We watched Borat. And I just noticed that we were both really goofy and silly. And we started, um, like, I, I again, I just felt really comfortable. And he ended up driving me home the next day. And... And then I actually reached out, which I never did this, but I actually reached out and I added him on Facebook. And then, was it you that messaged me first? Do you remember? Or was it me that messaged you? I do not remember. I think it was you because you had said something about like, hey, do you want to go to the movies this weekend or something? Or or I think maybe we were talking a little bit before then. But anyway, you ended up asking me if I wanted to go to the movies. Immediately in my girl brain, I was like, ooh, he likes me. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're going on this date. And then it wasn't until actually the day of the date that you messaged me again and you were like, hey, is this a friend date or a date date? And then um, and then I was like, well, I guess we'll just see what the vibe is like, you know, once we get there and then decide. So from my end, I already know how I felt about it. Like, I say that pretty much immediately, um, I got there, I felt really nervous, I had to drink a glass of wine to like calm my nerves, and as we were sitting down, like, so we went to see Le Miserable, which is like, uh, if you've ever seen it, it's like a really serious, like, musical, but me and Jason just didn't really, like, take it seriously, like, we were laughing, like, we thought it was silly, and he was doing that thing where guys, like, touch your leg or like he he would like giggle and like touch me in different like parts of my body like my leg or my shoulder not as perverted you <laughs> and and I was like ooh, he's being flirtatious so to me it felt like a date what about you what was your perspective on everything well that night? 
Well, the main reason I asked, like, was it a date date or whatnot, is just mainly to decide, me as the man, just like, all right, how do I approach this? How do I dress? Am I going to play? Are we going to go, like, split it and stuff like that? So that's the type of headspace I was trying to get in when I was asking those questions because, like I said before, I've been out with with women before just as friends or, you know what I'm saying, actual dates. So that was just the way I just wanted to see where your head was at and see how you were coming to the situation. And then when you said, we'll just see how it plays out, I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to dress, you know, comfortably and just uh, go from there. And the main reason I picked the movie, that movie is because earlier, I think, like you said in our past, some of our past conversations, you had said how you went down to London and went to go see Phantom of the Opera with some friends. And I was like, oh, okay. So she, I really don't like musicals, but I mean, this is something she likes or she's interested in. So, I mean, why not? I, I like movies. <laughs> so I just saw the uh, opportunity to bring something that you're interested in and something that I knew I liked together. And so that's where we went to that movie. And... I was I was just comfortable. I just like it. It was a movie, dinner and a movie, or was it just a movie? I can't remember. It was just the movie. Yeah, it was just a movie. So I was just like, cool. And I think that was another thing too. Is once you just said we just play how it goes. I was like, all right, I don't want any pressure. So I just like that's why I probably didn't suggest dinner. I was like, all right, let's just let's just go hang out, go see a movie, and just low stress. And just so you know, he was definitely courting me at the time because seven years later, he would never just take me to a movie that I want to see, especially a movie that he was like, no way, it's a musical. So, well, and, and he wasn't even wearing tennis shoes that night. He was wearing like a casual outfit with these like nice shoes. Yeah, and, and in my defense, <laughs> Uh, the reason I wouldn't take her to see one now is because she doesn't even do movies like that in general. So, so but I was you like, didn't know that about me. Yeah, I didn't know that, that about time. her at that time. But seven years later, I was like, ah, she really doesn't even do movies, so. Yeah. Well, and then that night, so um, we didn't go to dinner, but after the movie, he walked me because I lived in a like kind of town center. And so my my flat was down the street from the movie theater. So he walked me there. And it wasn't this like awkward first date thing where we stand at the door and he's like waiting for me to ask, do you want to come in? Or he's not like, should I come in? He was just basically like we were in the middle of talking and I opened my, like he just followed me up to my, <laughs> which sounds creepy too, followed me up to my flat and like in, we just walked in, we just kept the conversation flowing. We sat on the couch, watched another, um, like more TV or something, I don't know. But I remember... At one point that night, like after watching a little bit of TV, you laid your head in my lap and then you, or was it me with my head in your lap? <laughs> it was seven years ago. And laid, I laid my head in your lap and then you, I like looked up at you and I, we had our first kiss. And that was another thing that was really great about you is that we kissed, but it wasn't like. You stayed the night that night, but I think you slept on my couch, or did you sleep in my bed with me? I don't think I, I don't think I stayed there. I you did. Know. You definitely. You and this, is, this is a funny story Sunday. because he did stay the night, and it was a time when it was like snowy in England. So we stayed the night, and I you either slept in my bed or on the couch. I think you slept in my bed, and we just cuddled. We didn't do anything else, and um, and in the morning you had to leave really early for some reason, as you know all guys do when they stay the night. So you had to leave really early, and so when I woke, when I left my house, my flat the next day, I walked out 
Do you remember what I'm going to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I walked out. There were these (laughs) super long footprints in the snow. And I was like, oh, my God, he has monster feet. And I was, like, terrified (laughs) because they were also, like, pointy because he was wearing pointy shoes. And, yeah, it was hilarious. So from there, we just, I mean, I really, in my mind, we started dating. This was in January of 2013 or was it 2012? We'll do the math. 2013. January of 2013, um, started going on dates and, uh, and on those dates, like it was important for me to maintain my independence. And, and so we already from the beginning started establishing like our own version of our relationship. So we'd go on dates and like, I, I would ask like, Hey, can I help pay for dinner? And he would say something like, you can pay for dinner or I'll pay for dinner. And then you can pay for the drinks afterwards. So he always let me be an independent woman, which I really appreciated about him. And then, um, and then from there we, I feel like things started to get serious, like really quickly. And even your girlfriends, like your friends, you know, on base knew that because you were sending me flowers at work. You didn't usually do things like that. We were spending a lot of time together, but we still, while we were dating, maintained our distance and our like respect about, I didn't really bother him on the weekends. I didn't ask him what he was doing, like who he was with or whatever. We just had the freedom to do what we wanted. Um, And then you were supposed to go on that deployment that ended up getting canceled. Um, And yeah, so you ended up taking me eventually to like, it was like what, two months in or something, two or three months in, you took me to a bed and breakfast. Um, We had a really good time, but I remember you, cause I was about to leave England I was about to get out of the Air Force in just a few months. So you were saying, you know, basically you were like, we're not going to do long distance. So it took me a really long time to actually secure a relationship with you. Um, And I don't know, do we want to talk about what what it was that finally made us become official or... Do you want to just skim over that? Yeah, we can just skim over that. <laughs> well, I'll just say the short version of it is basically he went on a... Well, might as well just say it. He went, you went on a trip to Italy. Um, he went on a trip to Italy for his birthday. Was it Italy? Mm-hmm. He went on a trip to Italy for his birthday, and while he was gone, I kind of had like a, like a thing with this guy. Um, and I... But I was so confused because me and Jason had never really talked about like solidly like where we were. But I was young and I was naive, so I assumed, because I had never met a guy like Jason who was, like, taking me on dates, taking me to bed and breakfast, buying me flowers. I just assumed that we were in a relationship at that point. So I felt really guilty about that whole situation. And then I ended up taking him for a later celebration to London for his birthday. We spent the whole day in London. And then on the drive home, like, I just couldn't hold it in anymore, so I told him what had happened. And, um... And your reaction was, like, so different than any other guy that I had ever met before either. Like, I was expecting, like, we were, I think we were both crying in the car ride home. Um, And, you know, I thought that you were, I thought it was over. I thought that you were just going to end things. But then we got to my flat and you hugged me. And do you remember what you said? Mm -mm, What I said? Yeah, it's always the girls that remember. You basically said, like we have this really good thing going on. Like, I'm not going to let something like this ruin it. And then the next morning, what happened? 
All right, so I guess you want me to start. So the next morning, um, I think it was it was still the weekend of my birthday or whatnot, and so I just called. It was already late um, or early in the morning, something like that. You were going to be late for work, and I just uh, called and asked my good friend who was your supervisor. I was like, hey, you know, could you uh, let, my, let my girlfriend uh, take a comp day? Because in the military... As because of me being a supervisor too, I know this that you can allow your your uh, subordinate one day off, just no questions asked. So I was just asking her to do this for me because it's my birthday weekend, just because I just wanted to just hang out with Lauren. And so it was just it was just funny because of course she said yeah, but then she I think she contacted you and said no, she texted you right after. Uh, or no, she texted me. Yeah, she texted you because she was just like, uh, don't have him <laughs> ask me to have you like take a day yeah, off or she whatnot. She like yelled at me. But then... And then she said, oh, I don't think I didn't hear him say that. Call you, <laughs> call you his girlfriend, congratulations or something. So that yeah. Effect. <laughs> and I hadn't even thought anything of it until she said that. I don't think I would have ever like realized that you, like, you were basically saying that we were in a relationship if she didn't like tell me that because I'm so again I'm so naive I'm just like oh he's just like you know nonchalantly calling me his girlfriend Mm -hmm. anyway so enough about that you know uh, uh, after that we became official we went on a cruise our first cruise together he told me he loved me for the first time I kind of knew I think we both kind of knew that the feelings went quickly um and then we hit a point where I was the FedEx truck going by we we hit a, and I don't know if you heard the airplane earlier but we hit a point where we in our relationship where I was about to leave um and so even though Jason still like even after he called me his girlfriend he still wasn't planning on like making us go long distance or going long distance uh where were you what what was the point of that if we weren't going long distance or you didn't think that you thought we were going to break up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, because, again, people, just because someone's together, that don't mean, especially with you being young and I was, you know what I'm saying, fairly young too, that don't mean it had to be forever. It could have just been a moment in our lives to where we dated in England, you know. So not necessarily mean it had to be long distance or think there was any kind of future beyond what we were enjoying in that moment. So that's where my head was at. But And I was just... Um, taking it day by day, step by step. But obviously, uh, spoiler alert, I end up doing long distance. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, that's, that's just where I was. That was my feeling about it. It's just, yeah, let me just t- not confuse her any longer, you know, uh, with the whole situation. Let me make it official. Let me give her some, um, some certainty. Um, and just, like I said, just play it by ear. And it was also because you said you felt some type of way about what I had done with the other guy while you were away in Italy. Right, and it, the some type of way was felt kind of guilty about it because you didn't know. you. That's why, like so I said, I felt emotional too. It's just like, oh man, I feel like shit too. But I didn't know how to express it, you know. So I just knew this feeling that I had. Just like, you letting me know. And like you just said, I... We weren't, you know what I'm saying, official. And the fact that you felt so bad about it just let me know. Just like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this, this 
this this young lady, this girl, whatever, <laughs> really cares about me to the fact that she feels remorse and she has even no reason to. And in fact, like as I know now, um, that that's just your personality. You, you just like to be upfront and uh, just no matter if it hurts or not, just being upfront about everything. So I was like, I can understand and respect that. And so that's what I told you. Um, what I said about how this is something good and I let that you know, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna let that ruin it. And then, like I said, the, the next day, just kind of making it official, giving you that, that, um, that security and knowing, like, all right, we're in a relationship. We put a name to it, put a title to it. Which you hate titles, right? So that was a big step. Um, and so it wasn't until it was Father's Day of that year that. Uh, we actually decided that we were going to try long distance because we had a pub down the street from my flat that we would go to sometimes. We would drink beer and on Sundays, we'd call it Sunday Fun Day, and it felt like our Sunday therapy session because we'd have like a beer or two, which I kind of want to bring that back, where we have like a beer or two and we just have a like a long conversation where we just hash everything out that we're feeling and the alcohol helps us like loosen up and, you know, and be... Um, not too much alcohol because then, you know, you get super <laughs> irrational and emotional, at least I do. Um, but like just a, just a beer or two and a conversation and a snack, it was like perfect for us. So it was Father's Day that we finally had that conversation because in Jason's mind, it was like, it was like we, okay, let's try this long distance thing, but we'll just like kind of be single, but like long distance like seeing other people, but then once, you know, if once I go back to the States, we'll see where we go. And if I was just so firm, I was like, no, like you can't have your cake and eat it too. And that's when he introduced me to Trey songs. Ain't that what you're supposed to do? That, that song came out a lot, lot later. Ain't you supposed to eat? Oh, it did. Yeah. But then why, <laughs> why were you saying that at the time? Because that's a normal saying. <laughs> Trey songs didn't make that I remember you, like, you would say it in regards to our relationship, maybe even years ago. What year did that come out? It just came out since we've been here in Vegas. No, let me Google it. Hold on. Okay, so I Googled it, and the release date was 2014. So it was a year later, but it was foreshadowing our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you started saying that when we went long distance. I don't know. Anyway, but I was just basically adamant. Like, it's either it's either yes or no. Like, we're either committing to this or we're not. Initially, at the pub, he was like, then no. Like, sorry, we can't do it. And we both, again, started crying. And then we, we had a dinner reservation for another spot after that. We showed up to dinner and I remember they brought out our food, but I was just, I couldn't stop crying. So they're like, do you just want to take it to go? And I was like, yes, please. So we took it back to my flat and we just laid in the bed even more and just like cried it out. And then you were like, you know what? If this is what it takes, like I'm going to go for it. And then we went long distance for the first time. And if you if you know me or you followed me for a while, you know that he was just recently deployed. So we've been long distance a few times thereafter. I would say that was the most uncertain time of being long distance because we were like, let's try it out. We weren't stable in our relationship. We didn't know where we were going. I was a brand new civilian living with my brother and his wife. I just felt really lost and I felt like I didn't have an identity at that time. So we struggled a lot. First long distance, I struggled with a lot of jealousy. I think I broke up with him like 20 times. In her head, never official. 
(laughs) Well, there were times at that point that I would get mad at you and I would not answer your like phone or your FaceTime call for sometimes like days on end. And, um, I know that was really hard and, but you know, we stuck through it and actually let's rewind a little bit back to before we get to us moving to Vegas together. Let's talk about, I know people were asking about my, um, about Jalen, your son, Jalen, and just what it was like for you to be a single man, a single father, and then like how you knew when to introduce girls, when to not, like what was your perspective on bringing girls into his life? And when did you decide that it was appropriate for, um, to bring, to bring him into my life or to introduce us? So yeah, like I said, it's just a lot of stuff. I just let happen organically. I don't do I don't didn't do put too much planning or thought into it. I just like, all right, if I'm going this far and having this long distance relationship with her and stuff like that, just like it all lined up to where, all right, so I'm gonna be down in Florida to go visit Jalen. More than welcome to come down there, you know, introduce you. Kind of, and that way, you kind of at least meet each other. Expand before, on that because they don't know about Florida. Okay, so at that time, um, Jalen lived in Florida with his mom and his stepdad, and I would go down every year for his birthday to go visit him because birthdays are huge for me, so I never wanted to miss a, his birthday. So I was going down there for his birthday, spent a couple of weeks, and I asked Lauren if she wanted to come down for a weekend or however long she could get away to just kind of let me introduce her to Jalen, just spend some time with him and stuff like that. So spend some time with me because at that point we had been uh, long distance for at least like four months or whatnot. So, um, and like I said, just didn't really overthink it. We had already been together for a while and we are doing long distance. So I'm just like, hey Jalen, you know, because he's talked to her over FaceTime. It's like, hey, Laura's gonna come down and uh, want you to meet her and stuff like that. And at the time, I want to say he was probably six or seven years old, so he was still pretty young. But it was just to kind of have him like get to know and put a face, well, he already seen her face, but kind of really interact with her and let her interact with him. And did you have any like fears or hesitancies about introducing us to each other? Or were you just kind of like... Yeah, I was just more more so like... Hey, especially like I said, with him, with him being young and him already um, having having his stepdad and his mom there, and just in that environment, I knew it was. Oh, I hope that it wasn't going to be too much for me, and it, and it wasn't. So it was just, and he's my son, so he's used to, or he likes meeting new people and stuff like that. So I was just like, hey, just just another new person that you're meeting, Jalen, um, not knowing like if it's going to work out between us long term or not, but it's just. Hey, if it does, let's go ahead and put this groundwork in now. And hopefully if later on it does work out between me and Lauren, she's not a complete stranger. So before this relationship came along then, it wasn't like you were just introducing random girls to Jalen. You were like protective of who he was meeting or or were you not? Um, Like I said, it just happened organically, like um, just with anything. So... So a lot of times, like like you said, with me being a single dad in, in San Antonio, he would he would like um, 
meet some of the girls I would I would uh, be talking to and stuff like that. But again, he was By like, talking to Jason means sex. Let's clarify that because <laughs> I didn't know that for a long time, and that led us to some very difficult conversations. So I mean, talking to is just is it can go anywhere from just a female friend to sex because you're actually literally just talking to that person. Uh-huh. Um, and if it progresses, it progresses. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Don't let them fool you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, yeah. And, and then with him being, that's when he was younger and stuff like that. So, and again, regardless of the young lady or whatnot, they were still my friends and stuff like that. And Jalen being, me being a single dad, being Jalen being a big part of my life, um, mm-hmm. It's just uh, the understanding, like, oh, okay, you know what I'm saying? He's, this is his son or, or whatnot, and Jalen's like, okay, this is one of dad's friends. Because, again, at the end of the day, even if it didn't work out with me and Lauren, she still would have been a friend of mine that he would have met. Mm-mm. What do you mean, uh-uh? Mm-mm. Yeah. I wouldn't have stayed friends. You would have stayed friends it with me. It would have hurt too much. No, you would have stayed friends. No, he always said that he would take over my family if we broke up, which I believe because I think my mom loves him more than she loves me. I don't think that, but whatever. <laughs> Keep kidding. telling yourself that. Just kidding. Okay, so obviously then after that, things ended up working out. Um, I met Jalen. On that trip, I actually had a really good time meeting him in Florida. I felt like we clicked really well. I felt like we were able to be silly together, but obviously it's an entirely different story when you're just visiting them and you're just seeing them or you're just meeting them for the first time versus when they move in with you. So Jalen moved in with us about five years ago now. He was nine years old. Um, And you and Chanel, Chanel's his ex-wife, had made an agreement that like that you guys, once he was like 10, I think, but the school year lined up, so he was nine. But from like 10 to 18, um, you guys had decided that he was gonna live with you full time. Do you wanna talk a little bit more about why that decision was made? Yeah, so once me and Maya, once me and Chanel knew that it wasn't working out, um, our main priority switched to Jalen and what was best for him. And like I said, coming from a single parent household, I knew as a as a man, I is I wanted to raise my son and, and teach him how to be um, how to be a man. So that was that was important to me. So I told her I was like, hey, I'm I know both of us in the military, um, and I really want to go overseas. So just you can have them um, full custody. Uh, up until like 10 years old because I just in my mind the way I was saying is like that's when he's making a transition he's like in uh, uh, fourth or fifth grade you know about to be going like finishing up elementary school about to be going to middle school so I've really felt like he needed his dad around that time because around then that's when he's gonna start discovering girls having these friends and just all these other changes that come along around that age once you're like finishing up elementary school and stuff like that so we agreed that okay we're gonna once he once he turns 10 years old he's gonna come stay with daddy and stuff like that and i always and i always like to compare it similar to um i don't know if how many people seen the movie boys in the hood where he's the where a Cuba Gooding Jr. character stayed with his mom up until he was high school age but i was like 
I felt like it was too late at that point. <laughs> so I wanted him a little bit younger to kind of instill certain values and stuff into him as young as possible. To start shaping him. And and obviously, I don't think that they would have made such a an extreme decision if it weren't for the fact that, you know, we live on one side of the country and Jalen's mom lives on the other side of the country. So it's a little bit hard to, when you are a military family, you do have to be a little bit more creative with the solution because you have to, um, it would be difficult to share, to have joint custody throughout these years to have Jalen be going back and forth. He is, it did take him a really a while to get stable here in Vegas, obviously. And now he's got his friends established. So it would be hard to just pull him every two years. And it really has helped because um, I have seen the impact of like, Jalen will even ask me questions about things. And I'm like, you need your dad's perspective. I have no idea what it's like to be a teenage boy. And he, he you know, he had his stepfather there, but I just don't know if he would relate as well as having his his actual, you know, biological father. Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing, too. I'm glad you brought up Wally, because Wally is awesome. Like, it's been, like, when I first um, was in Korea, my ex-wife uh, was deployed at the time. And so, and just being a person I am, and then all of us being military, I was like, but I still want to see my son. So I was just, I had no problem um, just staying at the apartment. It was just me, Wally, and Jalen, just the guys. And... We would just, because we all have a lot of stuff in common and stuff like that. So it was, it was never, like Lauren said, it was never the fact that I didn't think that Wally couldn't do, you know what I'm saying, couldn't help raise him because he has a son of his own and a daughter of his own. So he knows how to be a dad. But it's just something about that, that, that dynamic with your biological father and stuff like that. And me coming from having a stepdad and stuff like that when I was younger for a little bit and understanding like no one is it's not the same it's just, you know you, you love your dad or you love your stepdad but it's just nothing like your, your biological dad or whatnot so that was just important to me yeah and even from a step parent's perspective like I can agree to that and it's just like especially when you have to when they're at these difficult ages and you have to come on down come down on them with tough love um for me, at least, I don't know how it is for men, but speaking from a woman's perspective, being a stepmom, when I do come down on him and I have to be harder on him, it does sometimes feel like I'm being the evil stepmother or maybe he doesn't take me as seriously because, you know, he, because I'm not his biological mom or whatever. So it is, it is different as much as people want to say it's the same, I would love them the same. Maybe you love them the same as they're your own, but the dynamic is definitely a little bit different. And so... Do you have something to say to that? No, and it, it is too because from a from the child's point of view as well, um, it's just it's just something different about when it's coming from your biological parent because you you've always known them and you just have that comfortability with them and knowing that when they discipline you, it's something you're used to because you know even when I've come down Jalen from from when he was young all the way to now and it's a little different too because I didn't want to put his put Wally into a situation to where, yeah, you definitely have to discipline a young man as they're growing up. And I don't, and if it's not the the man or the person who's been doing it for like your whole life that you're comfortable with, it might 
um, create some like animosity and some resentment, especially as you get older and you're going through puberty and these different feelings. So in order to like this also it helps alleviate, alleviate those feelings towards you know what I'm saying, his stepdad, or even towards Lauren, because again, I have no problem with being a disciplinarian um, because he knows it's been that way since he was born. Yeah. Yeah, and it does make it easier sometimes to be like the cool parent or the fun parent. It does take the strain off of our relationship, especially in the beginning when uh, we were first introduced to each other and, and we are getting used to each other. So, And thankfully in our scenario as well, um, Chanel, his mom, is very, very supportive of us and our relationship. Like, everything that we do as parents is all, the bottom line is Jalen. We all do it for Jalen's sake. We all put on a united front for him. We keep arguments and disagreements and discussions away from him. Uh, and we just, um, we come together on the issues that are really important. But other than that, we don't make a really big deal about everyday life. And and thankfully, we all give each other the autonomy to make decisions on Jalen's behalf, which really helps too. So, a lot of he's getting a lot of different parenting styles in the mix, so that helps. So let's talk a little bit about the dynamic when that we had, or the struggles that we had when Jalen first moved in with us. Um, I know that it created a lot of tension between you and I. I have felt and still sometimes do and it's something that we're working on as a family but blending families together especially for somebody like me who didn't come into the relationship with my own kid and sometimes it feels like I'm an outsider and this created a lot of tension for us in the beginning for the first few years um, especially because Jason felt like he was kind of torn between two like he he had to he had to navigate being in the middle. It was like almost like he was like the mediator all the time, but also he had to give equal attention to both of us. And so explain more about what that that was like for you and, and how you dealt with all of that conflict. Yeah, it was hard. It was very frustrating at times because yeah, you have our relationship, which you're used to having me to yourself. You know, the at that point we had been together probably about three 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 years three or four years at that point somewhere around there and you were used to just having me and then same thing with Jalen he's used to when me and him together in this situation to where oh okay it's, it's just me and dad you know what I'm saying just the, just the guys and then to have like I said the dynamic with all three of us together I thought again it was only a one-time meeting and stuff like that. And like you said before, the dynamic is obviously a lot different between visiting and living. Um, and I, so I thought it might have helped out a little bit that visit, but it didn't. It didn't help out at all. <laughs> um, just people are, used to, people are used to what they're used to. So Jalen was used to having me. Lauren was used to having me. But now we're all together and just like, all right, guys, I need time to myself too. <laughs> so it was just like I was split three different ways, you know, with Lauren, with Jalen, and trying to have some time by myself. And it was it was difficult because uh, Jalen, coming from living with his mom, used to being able to have a, a woman presence there and just being able to, like, oh, be up under his mom, love his mom, and stuff like that. But Lauren wasn't used to that, being that, like she said, she didn't have kids her own, and she was, she was a light being five years younger than me, so she would have had to been, what, I think we did about like 15 or something to have had Jalen. So you were yeah. still young yourself, so it was just that dynamic of being a mom 
at such a young age and being, not a, being, being a mom of a nine-year-old yeah, and not having him for his previous years and all of a sudden there's this kid with this personality that just here you go your mom full-time exactly and there's nothing there's no part of you in him so yeah. and i can understand like i said i, I knew it was going to be difficult but i just didn't think i i definitely didn't know how difficult it would actually end up being because it was just so frustrating for me just to have to be there for him and just to, you know, saying Lauren's frustration is one spent time me and Jalen's frustration one spent time me and him not under like knowing how to communicate that and like she said, coming back from where it, you know what I'm saying, being just me and him or coming from his being with his mom and Wally, he's not understanding like, okay, um, we're I'm part of this family now. So it was just it was just real hard and I don't know if you wanted to talk about this too but we ended up having to go to counseling because of it because it was just it just got to be a lot and it started weighing on me and Lauren's relationship yeah I think it was one of the biggest obstacles that we've had in our relationship um and you know another part of it was that again it's it's something that turned my life upside down and to me it felt like an inconvenience a lot of times and I made that clear to you and that was, again, a hard position for you to be in because you had to figure out the difference between, like, me venting and just having to let it out versus, you know, you feeling like you had to get involved. And in a lot of cases, I was venting a lot to him because I was like, you know, and we had to establish boundaries. I didn't know how to establish boundaries with a nine-year-old at that time. And, and Jalen, again, came in with all these expectations of, cool, I have these new parents. I'm going to get all the attention that I want. I'm an only child. He, had, he, he has a lot of entitlement, and I think that comes with being an only child and not knowing any different. Sometimes, you know, being a military brat and having everything um, that you ever wanted. Like me and Jason kind of grew up with uh, a little, like, a little bit of scarcity and so I see this boy and I'm just like oh my gosh he's so spoiled he's such a brat he's knocking on our door every two seconds I felt like I didn't get any space in my in my house I felt like I was being smothered um but then when Jason was you know trying to step in and be a good dad um he would hang out with Jalen and they'd be upstairs on the weekend watching shows together and I'd be downstairs by myself crying because I was like I just feel like we don't understand each other um, and that I don't fit in here. Now, obviously, five years down the line, we've had conversations with Jalen. He can understand this a little bit better. We've set really firm boundaries, um, and and you know, and things have gotten better. And I I am starting to feel like we are a family, and and we're figuring out our dynamic. Um, I had Jalen by myself during this deployment that Jason was on recently and that really helped kind of solidify our bond and stuff um you know but still it it goes it comes down to just figuring out how to be a family of three when it's a blended family and that was really big with me because I know a lot of people were saying too when they they find out how long we've been together they're like oh y'all not married and not understanding the the at the like the at what I'm asking of Lauren when you're talking about marrying because again like as a lot of people probably know when it comes to blended family she's not just marrying me she's marrying Jalen too and that was a big thing is like with her being younger like hey is this the life you want you know because again these especially early on is this something that you 
even want to to go through or to adjust your life around. Because if not, you know what I'm saying, obviously she knows, like, yeah, it's going to be Jalen. So she had to understand, like, hmm, is this what I want? And then that was another thing, too, about introducing him to him is just, like, hey, this is my son. Like, it's not just a FaceTime. This is real, and he's going to be living with us. So while she was going through all this and she was venting to me, stuff like that, in my mind, I was like, this woman's not ready, you know. So she's not ready to be and a, wasn't. you know, she, she's not ready to be a mom. And I was just like, and I would always remind her, I was like, like, I understand you're venting, but at what point are you? Are we gonna start making some changes and not just, you know, what I'm saying just getting it out? And then that's when she said therapy, like, cause I need to, I need a, someone to mediate and just break down how I'm feeling and how you're feeling, stuff like that. Yeah, and that, I mean, that that was around the time when I, like, was really young-minded and immature. That was before I really found, or I think that was right when, when he moved in was, like, right when I decided I was going to pursue, like, my health coaching certification, and that was right when I was finding out about, like, first learning all this mindset work and starting to uncover all the like, you know, childhood wounds and working through those. And so he came in, in the depths of all of that too. Um, which made it that much more difficult for me trying to like be grown up enough to raise another person. And, you know, but the good thing about that came from that is that we bonded because as I was learning, I was teaching him and we would have those conversations and that's what, that's what brought us together. Um, and it took me a long time to really sift through all of those. I had with with Jalen and, and me and every stepmom is individual to this, but with with my situation with Jalen, I had a lot of like childhood wounds that like I would come up in, you know, in situations dealing with him. And so I was very reactive in a lot of situations. And it's taken me a lot of time to start to become more to like slow down and breathe and think about things and and Jason has been a really great role model because he's always been good at you know being reasonable and thinking through things and and you don't punish through anger you punish you know once you've calmed down and um but we were just talking about this last night how um I mean there were so many times with me as a stepmom that I lashed out I said the wrong things I said hurtful things to him and that's something that if you're listening to this and you're a step parent or um, you're you know gonna become involved with something like this, just to know, just to have grace with yourself. I spent a lot of time beating myself up for it, judging myself for my situation, but um, you know I could have spent that time just just encouraging myself to remember to respond with love. And one of the things that one of the resources that helped me the most was learning to surrender and to not have high expectations of how he should be or how I should be as a parent, just to let everything flow. The good thing about kids is that they're very resilient and Jalen has always been really loving and really forgiving. He forgets quickly and that has really helped. So um, I'm definitely blessed to have these two. But I would say that's enough about step parenting. Let's talk about the last thing that we'll cover in this discussion today which is talking about the biggest challenges that we've faced in our relationship and how we've overcome those so the three challenges are really no surprise they're the same as every relationship 
tends to run into, uh, sex, money, and parenting. And the first thing that I want to say before I get into it so that we don't lose this point is that therapy is not a bad thing. And therapy is something that as a couple you should go into before things are about to fall apart. We made the mistake of going into therapy when things already were falling apart. I don't think we were at the point where it was too late at the time. Uh, obviously, we weren't at the point. Even though our therapist in therapy told us, <laughs> if you guys don't get married by year three, it's probably not going to work out. Um, yet here we are. But I just want to cover the fact that, you know, therapy is very stigmatized, um, but it can be really useful. And I don't think it was necessarily the therapist that was useful. I don't know. Did you think our therapist was very effective or do you think it was more us digging in deep and having these difficult conversations with like a mediator um the latter definitely like just having that third party that impartial party there to like kind of translate and get deep down into the words we're saying and the feelings behind it because i've talked to a few married couples or a few friends and i've always like try to the guy part of it or the the male in a relationship to let them know like hey there's nothing wrong with there because yeah i think it is a, a stigma i've never felt that way maybe because um like at a young age i've i've went i went to therapy or whatnot but and i knew it was just just talking out your feelings and i guess it, it does come from guys normally or the the stereotype the guys are like don't want to share their feelings or say how they feel but i've never had a problem with you know telling someone how I feel because I just like talking <laughs> so it just came comes naturally just to get it out and I just think um too many times that we as men just try to hold a lot of stuff in to to show strength but you can use sharing your feelings to show strength to show like hey show your significant other this is how I feel but this is also what I'm going to do to kind of work through these feelings, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of people fear therapy because you have to, like, face these issues head on. Like, it's not like you go to a session and you remember I had high expectations of what therapy was supposed to look like. I was like, cool, we're going to go. Everything's going to be fixed. But really what therapy does is it breaks everything apart. I remember after therapy sessions just feeling so overwhelmed and like I had to, I personally chose to drink after them because the emotions were so high. I don't recommend always drinking as a coping mechanism, but sometimes, you know, you do what you have to do. But yeah, they, they ripped our relationship apart. Like having that mediator, that translator that was just like called it as it was like it was no bullshit with him. And so he would call, he wasn't on either of our side. He would just call both of us out. And we had to face that. We had to face some really difficult truths about ourselves and our relationship and, you know, decide what we wanted to do with that information. But it was up to us to take action and decide where we wanted to go with that. So I'm glad that you said something about how he wasn't on either one of our sides because I think that is another uh, thing that people fear is that, oh, they're going to get ganged up on, especially if, like, if the husband suggests therapy or the wife suggests therapy, that, oh, they're going to get a therapist that sees their point of view. And, like, just speaking from personal experience, like, that's not the case. Like, sometimes, yeah, they're going to agree with her. Sometimes they're going to agree with you. It's just going to go back and forth. But at the end of the day, you just got to be honest with yourself and be like, hey, 
if you're wrong, you're wrong, and just be man or woman enough to just understand it and just be, uh, and that's how you know if you're, the relationship that you're in is worth it, because if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to put aside your, um, what's the, your ego, and just like, all right, yeah, maybe I was wrong there, like, this is what you can do to do better and stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just, it's what you make of it, pretty much, just like anything. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it, too, like, along with therapy, I think, I think you and I have both really changed each other in positive ways without meaning to, like, without, like, you know, purposefully trying to. Um, you, they always say that actions speak louder than words, and, and something that I always tell people is that, like, you, you don't tell people how they should be, how they should live their lives. You live your life by example. And that's what you've always done for me. You've done everything through your example without judgment. At least I never felt judged. Like you've been very neutral. And something that you've done that's really helped me is by not feeding into my bullshit. Same way, again, bringing it, tying it into the therapist conversation. Like you don't, if I'm like, for example, like I used to throw tantrums, and this is an example I always use with us, is I used to throw tantrums because in my past relationships, it would get the guy to like pay attention to me, and that's all I wanted. I wanted your attention. Um, and then you, I would throw my tantrums, and you wouldn't feed into it. And that made me really mad at first. And um, and again, that's part of the, the conversation about therapy is like these, these aren't going to be pleasant, beautiful, rainbowy like solutions. Like you're going to get frustrated with the person. Um, and I would get really mad at you that you wouldn't feed into my tantrums. And it took time and time again of me feeling like, well, you should be this way. You should. And that's one thing that I really learned in therapy was to drop expectations of you to instead trade those those you know expectations for appreciation noticing what it is that you do for me um and to stop thinking that our relationship should look like anyone else's relationship um and when i did that it took away a lot of the pain of okay well i can self-soothe if i need attention what is it that i can do for myself right now you know so so that's like kind of the preface of all of this um We've talked a lot about parenting. Our parenting style is really just putting on a united front, having discussions. Um, with with each other and with the Jalen. Because, again, it's, uh, when it comes to parenting, we're just understanding that it's three of us that are involved in this. And not to say, like, because I know people are thinking, like, what about his, his mom and his stepdad? But we're talking about more so in this household. So it's three people involved in parenting this household. So we let Jalen know, especially him being older now, he's able to comprehend a lot of stuff. So we talk to him, let him know, like, set those boundaries like Lauren talked about and explain to him the reason behind him as well. Because that way he has more of a buy-in. Like, all right, so if this is why I can't play video games because you want me to get a good night's sleep or do more on studying so I can get better grades, he's more inclined to, like, not argue with it, which he sometimes, he, instead of arguing, he'll come and reason. He'll, so he'll say, oh, what about this, Dad? If I do this, can I do this? Kind of like bargaining with us. And sometimes if he makes a legitimate argument, he's like, oh, okay, that makes sense to us. Um, let's let's see, let's go forward with that. And then if it doesn't, we'll explain to him why it doesn't and why just in his 
child brain that it might have made sense but in our adult brain looking at the big picture it really doesn't so again like she said having the communication and not only talking with our, with each other but with him as well yeah and i i think our parenting style is really just fairness and respect we're really big on fairness and respect and so we treat him the way that that we feel would be conducive to him growing and to you know becoming an adult that can also reason the same way that we do and that's why we talk him through our thought processes uh, but it wasn't always that way we clashed a lot in the beginning again we've covered that it was just us getting used to with me getting used to being a parent and I think sometimes we adopt our own parent styles and so for a long time I was trying to adopt my dad's very strict black and white this is how it is um, and and that, I don't think that was by I don't think that was by choice. I think that was kind of an unconscious thing. And and you know you 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 would pick up on that too because you see the difference. Is like when I'm in reactive state, that's usually when I'm just reacting off of what I was shown as a child. I've had to really dive into becoming a conscious parent. Um, and I think with Jason, I think the way that I've influenced you. Is through um, is through having te like teaching you how to have those conversations like where you do reason with them or you do like you know really open up and, and share like why you think something yeah because like Lauren was saying a lot of her parent habits come from growing up with her dad and her mom and stuff like that which is funny to me because she would tell me about how her mom is and then how her dad is and the polar opposites, but the fact that she went more the harsher way with, her, with taking after her dad because that's where the, a lot of the punishment and disciplinary role came from. To whereas for me, it was uh, kind of like the opposite to where I did everything that I'm, in my mind, I do a lot of things opposite of what the men in my life did to raise me. So I kind of like, see what they what they did and able to understand like all right this is where they went wrong i didn't quite you know what i'm saying to me react to it or understand it so i'm like at a young age or as a young dad i always wanted to make sure that like i open up that communication with with jayla and let him know the reason behind it so if he did something bad at school i would discipline him but then i would let him know like hey you know i love you this had to happen <laughs> because it has you have there's consequences for what you do and even to this day we um i let him know that hey there's consequences and like lauren said uh she kind of helped me help me understand like as he gets older he can more understand and have, open up more of a dialogue but don't don't get me wrong sometimes there is a whole like just do what i say but it just is a case-by-case -case basis to where it all depends on what it is but majority of the time we're making decisions and stuff like that when it concerns Jalen, we make sure Jalen's involved in it and uh he understands where we're coming from yeah, and I think that, like, it's like I said, it's not that I was like, oh, I don't agree with the way that my dad raised me, let me raise Jalen opposite, because I think my dad was a great dad, and I attribute a lot of my good qualities to the way that he raised me, and as we know, there's not a guidebook to parenting, so I was just doing what I had, you know, seen, um, and then I tried it out and realized this isn't working for me in this, re in this relationship. And I, and I want to have a good relationship with Jalen. And so we, as we do with our relationship, I had to find my own parenting style. And of course it's still a work in progress, but I think we've made a lot of, a lot of progress in that area. Definitely. 
Definitely. The other challenge that we had was with money. Um, our struggle with money was really just, we we're both very financially dependent people and trying to figure out how to bring that together. We've decided, you know, not to join bank accounts like a lot of married couples do. And, and, um, so we still treat our finances separately. We still plan on doing that. We, we have tremendous ex respect for each other's finances. Jason, however, is the, the primary breadwinner right now because he still has, you know, a stable career. I'm in the middle of still figuring out my career. So for the first time in my life, really, I've had to rely on somebody else for finances. And so our struggle has been in him being that primary breadwinner and, and delving out his, you know, his money to both Jalen and I. And, and, you know, he's used to having his own money, spending it the way that he wants to. And then with me, the struggle has been asking him for help and, and being humble and, you know, being able to put my ego aside to say, I need help for you from you temporarily. Eventually, I'll be able to, you know, I don't, be my sugar mama. <laughs> I don't know when it will be. And also, I put a lot of pressure on myself as like, I, I've been trying to rush the process because I'm like, I feel guilty. Um, so there's been a lot of, we've had a lot of arguments and discussions. Well as you would call them, discussions over it. Yeah, because I always like, and it, like she said, how I call them discussions because I feel like arguments are very emotional and people say a lot of irrational things to arguments because they're emotional. And I don't have any emotion when, it's, especially when it comes to a lot of things um, when there are rational conversations. So, for instance, with the money, Lauren emotionally let me know how she felt and I rationally told her, like, it's no need to, to beat yourself up about it. But it took you a while to get to that point. To get to the point of how to vocalize it because to let you know, like, hey, because, again, it took you a while to let me know how you were actually feeling. And then once you did, I was just like, okay, it took me a while to kind of process, understand where all this was coming from. And then after the um, some certain discussions, and I was like starting to put it together and you would give me more information. And it all boiled down to you not knowing. To me, like I said, being used to have my own finance, you have your own, your own, but now you're having to rely on me on certain things for help and not knowing where I was at financially. And so once I realized that, I'll let you know, like, okay, I would never let us get to the point where we can't pay our bills. We will always be okay. Um, and just opening that dialogue and letting you know where my mindset is and how we are financially. And then just recently in this past deployment, um, just trusting you like, hey, with the wedding coming up and with me to being deployed and having to take care of Jalen, I just gave her, got her a credit card to like let her know like, hey, I, I trust you, you know, to have this. That way I'm not transferring money into your account all the time. You just use this card and we just pay it off as we go and just do it like that. and. And I think that kind of helped you just kind of relax a little bit and just understand like, oh, okay, and able to see the charges we were doing together and stuff like that. Yeah, because one thing about Jason is that he is very good with his finances and he is very private about them as well. And so it's things he didn't even want to share with me, his like balances and stuff. He just, his thing is always like, we're okay, I'll let you know if we're not okay. And that was hard for me because I like to have certainty. I like to know 
I still have that scarcity mindset around money that that I'm always having to work through of like the fear of there not being enough and me feeling guilty for asking him for money to like get my nails done or something and feeling like that's so selfish of me. Um, so I've had to find a balance between, of course, respecting his money and not asking too much of him as like not taking advantage, um, but also allowing him to treat me, especially when he, he wants to. And then, and again, recognizing that sometimes in marriages, one person is going to have to provide a little bit financial, financially for the other person. So I still make sure that I pay my own bills, but if there's extra that I want, I, you know, allow you for now to step in and help me out with that. And then sex has been tough for us for a lot of different reasons, for health purposes, for me. So at one point it was health purpose or health reasons for you. Um, us having different desires, uh, around sex. Um, me having this kind of woke experience where, I had grown up, you know, watching porn and, and having this expectation of what sex should be like based on what I saw in porn. And then all of a sudden realizing as a woman, like basically me becoming empowered and more of a feminist around sex. And like, if it hurts, I should say something. And, and not, if I don't enjoy this, I should say something, you know, we're not really taught that as women. And it sounds funny, especially when you're in a relationship with someone to feel like you have to do everything just to please them and make them happy. And, and I realized that it's about us coming together. And so we've had to have some really, really difficult conversations around that as well. And, um, we've kind of had to compromise when it comes to sex and our different fantasies. And some of us, you know, we've, we've had to give a little bit, we've had to take a little bit, um, and, and yeah, sometimes it still gets to us, especially because my health prevents us from having sex a lot of times because I'm in pain. Um, something that we do, though, that we do with all parts of our relationship is that we don't expect it to look a certain way. So you hear a lot of couples and a lot of articles say things like, you should have sex every, like, three times a week, or you should be having sex every day. And I think when I was comparing our sex life to that... Um, that's when I started to feel this pressure and I started to feel inadequate. What are your thoughts on all that? Just mainly understanding what's right for us as a couple and understanding that it's not, like you said, we're not like those articles. We're not uh, cookie cutter traditional. And just sometimes um, satisfying our simplest desires helps. So for instance, for me, um, when you certain times when you're going through, when you're going through stuff personally, you kind of shut down and you kind of shut me out. And I just crave like intimacy. So not necessarily sex, just that contact with you and that closeness with you is sometimes enough. But when I'm not getting that, that's when I kind of feel more frustrated. And it took me a while to kind of like just sit down with myself and just like just really get down deep and like, all right, why am I feeling these feelings? Where is it coming from? And then once I realized it, being being able to articulate it to you, that way we can come together and just like, oh, oh, so you can be able to have your aha moment. Like, oh, okay. So this is why you do what you do. Um, even though I'm not 
it's not always like towards sex, but it's just like just touching on you or being trying to be close to you and you pushing me away. You now understanding like, oh, so me pushing away just because you're just trying to hug me. Now you realize like, oh, it's just you trying to be intimate. That's your way of being intimate and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think it helps, too, that we have a high level of intimacy in our everyday, like, relationship, as in, and, you know, intimacy we can define in so many different ways. For us, intimacy is just being connected to each other, whether it means, you know, I go sit down next to him on the couch, and I put my legs on him, and he always scratches my legs, or um, we cuddle, we hug a lot, we hang out, we talk, we communicate, all those things, you know, come together to create a level of intimacy to where sex is just an addition on top of that. It's not necessarily that we have to have a certain amount or a certain level, but to us it's become more about connecting. And so the way that we're working actively on our sex life is through doing Tantra practices and exercises every night, which again is something that's new for us, so we haven't been consistent with it. And then with that being said, like she was saying with the whole closeness, for me, um, it's, it's her allowing me to touch on her butt and touch on her boobs, you know, just randomly. Because that's how, like, sometimes I just feel like some sexual energy and I just want to get out. And that's how I get it out sometimes. It's just touching touching on her body, letting her know, like, like I love your body. I appreciate your body. And just showing that, not just with words, but physically showing my appreciation to her by touching on her and rubbing on her um, like that. So that that's that's a, a way how I kind of deal with my, my intimacy and show her intimacy in my own way. Yeah. Yeah, and something else that we realized, too, is that... Um, is that sex doesn't always have to mean penetration either. That's something that Tantra has taught me, that especially having health issues, so if you do suffer with like period issues or health issues in general, you can find other ways to quote-unquote have sex. Um, and, you know, be creative about that. Figure out what that means for you. Yeah, because like as Lauren has taught me through Tantric practices, the main thing that we sometimes forget when it comes to sex is the energy that's involved in it and it's just that transference of energy is really kind of if you break it all down is really what's going on during the sex and just the the penetration is just a physical part of it but if you just get out of that and just like I said through the tantric practices we're able to transfer our energies back and forth and kind of get that 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 euphoric feeling of that if we were just having sex because then it, like I said all it is is just the energy transference between us yeah and, it, and that's really helpful too especially when you're working with breath you're working with all these like working with being in the present moment and being connected to your partner on such a deeper like more spiritual level than just physical that's also really helped with for me I've had a lot of body image issues in the bedroom and we've realized that when we're actively working on our tantric practices, I feel a lot more comfortable in my body during sex because I'm not so much in my head. I'm just more in my body in a spiritual level and just like being with him. And it doesn't matter what our physical bodies look like because our spiritual bodies are connecting, which might sound really woo woo right now. It might sound really abstract. And, you know, um, I was definitely skeptical about it before until I actually tried it. And, and again, Tantra is something that you can make personal to you. You can just breathe and that's part of a Tantric practice. We do things like 
we, the other night, we did just a grounding hug where we just hugged each other. And we, it's a lot about supporting each other. And, and so we did like an elephant massage. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we go about our tantric practice based on our mood, our energy levels, how we feel that day and all that stuff. Really? So my last question for you is, well, second to last because I have, I have one more to finish it. But the last one will be a quick one. Uh, what do you think it, it is that makes our relationship so successful? Um, to sum it up, communication communication, and just, and I think just not to sound, what's um, the word I'm looking for, uh, egotistical? Arrogant? Arrogant, yeah. Not to sound arrogant, but I think it's just my open-mindedness and to listen to you and uh willingness to be open to changing and adapting and not when I say changing not changing who I am but changing like small little things about myself to to kind of understand where you're coming from and to just to to evolve yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah and and by when I say successful too I don't mean perfect we exactly definitely uh, do not I hate have, that word yeah <laughs> We have far from a perfect relationship. As I said, we never have. We've gone through a lot of obstacles. We've both done things that we're not proud of. We've had to have some really difficult conversations like throughout. And that will never end. But the important word that he said there or that I helped him say was evolve. Is that we're always willing to grow. And, and we recognize when we're growing apart. And if we feel that, we catch it and we start having conversations about how we can start combining. So um, I agree with everything that you said. I also feel, um, again, want to put more emphasis on that. We have the difficult conversations, even when it hurts. We face the hard things about our relationship. One thing that I th think is really important is that we always remember that we're playing on the same team and that we're putting on a united front. That we're doing everything that we do, everything that we say is for the sake of not just each other, but our family. And so we always take that into account. We, we've we learned over time, because we're all naturally selfish, to think of each other when we're making decisions. Um, and then the last thing that I think is that we we don't look to any other relationship for rules on what we should things should look like. We're very non-traditional. We decide, we basically build a relationship on the values that we have defined together. And that has made us successful. Yeah, because I think, like I was saying, it all comes, for me, it stems from me not caring <laughs> about like what other people do. Because I always like to uh, use the quote from one of my uh, favorite uh, rap artists, T.I. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people use it, but it's like, what they do don't make me poop, <laughs> you know? So what they eat don't make me poop. So what, how they live their life don't affect me. So why should I try to tailor my life towards that? So, or our relationship um, more specifically towards that. So like Lauren said, we've come together, understood that we're, we're not them. We're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're just trying to be who we are and do what's right for our relationship. Yeah, because if you do that, you're only going to create more tension and pain in your own relationship and or in your relationship. So, so yeah, I think it took enough of tension and pain for us to be like, okay, what's going on here? And then that's where I realized I needed to surrender. I think you were always open to making our own rules, but I have been such a good girl, goody good. 
yeah, so I've always been such a, you know, goody two-shoes, people pleaser, wanting to do what I should be doing. And you've really helped me become a little bit more, tap into my natural rebellious side even more to just be like, fuck what everybody else thinks. Right. And I like to, and I, I put air quotes on should be doing because there, like you said, just like with parenting, there's no rule book or certain way to be in a relationship. So there's like, again, be more rebellious because there is no way you should be acting, no way our relationship should be. So exactly, like be rebellious and let's just live this life to the fullest as we see. Amen, because we're all making it up as we go. Exactly. So my last question for you is, what do you love the most about me? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just want to toot your own horn, huh? Well, I'm going to ask you the same, or (laughs) you can ask me the same question. Oh, my goodness. Um, You said the most? Yeah. All right, so the most is your personality. It's just the being the funny, smart, caring person that you are, all the stuff that just makes you you. Um, You know, it was just... um, just how you like you just said as you've gotten as i known you from a 21 year old girl to now a 30 year old woman um just how you've uh, evolved and you're always evolving like it's just so crazy to see your growth and to be here with you and just listening to the different things you've said along the way um it's just yeah just your personality and how you've stayed you through all of it thanks boo boo This is a good exercise for you listening with your partner to ask them this question. Because how often do we really ask each other that question? You ask me all the time. I do not. (laughs) Yes, you do. Nuh-uh. In in roundabout ways, not like out front, but like you you would say in roundabout ways, like, oh, do you love me or some blah, blah, blah. Yeah, do you love me, but not like for specifics. Way to call me out. Yeah, I'm going to call you out. (laughs) But no, so, all right, so like you said before, um... I've never asked because I, you know, again. I, I know whatever. You. Yes, you have in roundabout oh, ways. Oh, <laughs> really? I have. Give me an yes. example. Give me an example, Dan. A specific example? I yeah. never remember. No, you'll like ask me or we'll be in conversation uh-huh. and you'll just be like, um, it'll come up like these are the things. You know what I love about <laughs> you because I talk about it all the time. What can you, what do you guess that I'm going to say? I don't know because it's, it's, it's more. It's more. I know it's more special when it comes from my mouth. Well, no, and it, and it has evolved. I feel like because I've evolved over time. Because again, you knew me when I was young uh, in my prime, my life at twenty, and I hear I'm almost or like twenty five, and now I'm almost thirty five. So and you haven't changed one bit. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I thought that was. I thought I had. No, you like you're still the same person, but you've you've grown too in a lot of ways, and so it's kind of almost. A very similar answer to where you're very as you know the coaching world would call coachable you 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 take direction really easily like I just well you know what since you kind of already said that everything that you said about me <laughs> yes I'm glad I'm my first sim- <laughs> similar but also I just feel like you're my person like you're my home I feel like you're really you hold a really safe space for people without even like realizing that you do you're just a natural like coach and a natural like coach and leader without without trying to be just through your actions you you're you're very you have very high integrity um you know you you 
you listen so well and you you've always listened really well that's something that I loved about you from the beginning but you stay neutral you don't make me feel judged for being who I am you're the first person in my life that ever made me feel like made me feel that my flaws were okay to have and that it was okay for me to to be really nasty and really ugly in those times and that I was still lovable regardless so you're just you're my person you're my person. You're not a you're not a pet. You're my home. You're so silly. And that is all we have for you, friends. This went on for quite a while. My longest podcast episode to date. You're welcome. An hour and twenty three minutes, but I hope that it was intriguing. I hope that hope that you were on the edge of your seat while you were listening, that you couldn't get enough. Jason's over here like, what the hell? Squinting, rolling his eyes at me. Um no, nothing. Nothing for me. I enjoyed this time. I know uh, you've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, I'm pretty sure her next one, with all this time we have due to the quarantine, <laughs> um, I'm sure eventually she's going to have Jalen on one of these things because I know she wanted to do one with him as well. He but, gets nervous. But, yeah. But I um, definitely enjoyed uh, being on, Lauren. Thank you for having me. And I hope you all learned a little bit something not only about uh, me but about our relationship that helps you out amen and if you listened all the way through to the end thank you so much i love having you as part of my community and i'll talk to you again next week but until then remember that you are enough and you are doing enough